The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The Pre-Med Year, session number 384. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you are home, safe, locked in, quarantined, wherever you are. Please understand that my thoughts are with you. I have a great guest today, Enrique Hasso from the Texas Health Education Service. And he's going to join me today because he has a unique perspective from the TMDSAS front and the medical schools in Texas that participate in TMDSAS. He has a unique perspective in communicating with them and them communicating with him about how the application cycle is going to be affected with COVID-19 and the pandemic and everything closing and online classes and, and just everything going on. So we have a great discussion about all of that stuff right now. Enrique, welcome to or welcome back to the Pre-Med Years podcast. How are you today? Doing great. How are you, Ryan? I'm excited to chat with you. I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, hanging out like, in my basement, quarantined. Likewise. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just excited to see someone outside my household today. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny. Somebody had mentioned, like, I've been working at home for 20 years, and there's just something different about being told you have to stay home versus being able to stay home. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I get yeah. that. Oh, man. All all those years I took for granted. Yeah. For the student who doesn't know who you are, I I will reprimand them later, but let's let's have a quick conversation about who Enrique is in terms of the Texas uh, Medical and Dental School Application Service. Sure. So besides running the world, uh, (laughs) I am the Associate Director of the Texas Health Education Service. Uh, at uh, inside the TMDSAS office. So we're actually structured in a way where it's the TMDSAS application service that everybody knows and loves. And then there's another branch called the Joint Admission Medical Program. And that's a special program for economically disadvantaged students. We talked about this on the last time that was on our podcast. Yep. And then the other branch is the Texas Health Education Service. And our mission is to amplify the messaging for TMDSAS and for JAMP. So pretty much anytime you see anything public about JAMP or TMDSAS. It's coming through us uh, in, our, in our work with them. And then we also develop resources around the student and advisory experience. And mm-hmm. so we're a lot more advisor facing and applicant facing. So uh, we do have some online communities and we're very active on those. And, uh, you know, it's just a little bit of everything. Our yeah. goal is to make sure that students are heard uh, in the application process. And, you know, we sit on all of the TMDSAS advisory and JAMP advisory councils uh, kind of serving as the voice for applicants and for advisors. One of the interesting roles that that your office plays is also interfacing with the medical schools. I think in a 
in a different way, similar but different way than the other application services do. And yeah. and that's one of the big reasons that I wanted to get you on. We were initially going to have a kind of a different conversation. We'll wrap some, uh, some of the original conversation into our conversation today. But with COVID-19 disrupting everything, uh, disrupting MCAT test dates, disrupting classes and grades and all of this stuff, I'm interested to hear the the discussions that you are having internally with medical schools, what medical schools are discussing with you. Um, last week, as this episode comes out, I had the uh, Dean of Admissions for NYU on, Dr. Rivera. He can only talk about NYU, but you're in a unique right. position where you can potentially talk about a lot of schools in mm-hmm. Texas, specifically, about what's going on. And yeah. I want to start with the messaging from AMCAS that scared a lot of people, right? And I know you're not associated with AMCAS, but the messaging from AMCAS, and this is where I think TMDSAS has um, uh, an advantage. The messaging from AMCAS is nothing has changed. And that freaked the students out. They're like, what do you mean nothing has changed? The world has stopped. And I didn't like the messaging. There was no empathy in the messaging. Like, I'm <laughs> like, we know you're scared. Nothing right. has changed right now, but we're waiting to hear from medical schools, right? AMCAS and, mm-hmm. and ACOMIS uh, for MD and DO schools outside of Texas, uh, public schools, they basically are just portals to the school and all the schools set their own deadlines and everything. And, and so AMCAS is normal because all the schools haven't really figured anything out at this point yet. Right. What is the difference with what's going on kind of <laughs> opposite of that with what's going on in, in Texas with TMDSAS, with Texas medical schools? How are you guys handling all of these changes? Sure. Uh, I hate to be that guy, but I'm really going to have to take this <laughs> back to 1968. Uh, <laughs> Back at the establishment of the University of Texas Medical App- Medical and Dental Application. Before Center. AMCAS. Way before AMCAS. Before AMCAS. Uh, and back then, it was just the UT system schools that just came together and said, you know what, we should form our own application service. Yeah. And then, you know, other folks that are more well uh, connected started their own <laughs> national service. But we kept our own thing here. Texas Texas just wanted a a group to to hang out and compare guns and boots, right? And cowboy hats. And and belt buckles. And belt buckles and pickup trucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so over the years, you know, we've tacked on some non-UT system schools like the Texas Tech University schools, Mm -hmm. uh, Texas A&M, University of North Texas, and more recently, uh, Sam Houston State University and University Mm -hmm. of Houston. So uh, all those schools have opted to go with TMDSAS for the service that we provide. Um, the TMDSAS application is a little bit more involved in coursework determination, making sure that prerequisites are fulfilled. Uh, they're more involved in residency determination. Everybody knows that. If you're not a Texas resident, you have to fight for up to 10% of the spots available in the schools. And so uh, because of that, uh, level of interaction with the application that TMDCS ha- has, uh, there's a much more uh, collaborative environment around the schools. And so they're the ones that are setting the guidelines for determining whether a course actually fulfills a prerequisite. Um, they uh, are very active with making sure that the application reflects exactly what it is that they need to find in applicants. And so they're extremely engaged by comparison with TMDSAS. And so uh, the 
whole reason for um, you know why we're tackling this a little bit differently is because we do have um, we're coming up to I believe 18 schools that are part of TMDSCS um, that are medical, dental, and veterinary schools here in the state. Yeah. Uh, and so our response naturally is going to be, it, it's taking a little bit longer than it was for the national uh, services to get their answer together. But uh, we really want to hear out the schools and make sure that we're providing an environment for them to collaborate and make sure that they understand uh, that the students are the ones that come first and the pre-health communities who comes first. And we're hearing that across the board Yeah. from all of our schools. So what are you hearing? Yeah, uh, so much. <laughs> we have a we have a listserv that consists of all of our uh, Texas advisors, professional schools, you know, beyond uh, medical, dental, and veterinary, uh, where they're sharing some of their experiences and questions that they're asking uh, that students are asking advisors, and so that feeds back into what we do, and it's really important for us because we're hearing that feedback directly, essentially, from students, and we're mm-hmm. able to address those concerns. For the most part. Uh, what the schools are really sharing is that this is an anomaly. Uh, <laughs> clearly, everybody knows that. But most importantly is that the schools are really uh, empathetic with students and realizing that this is a huge disruption to their uh, education. There is a huge disrupt- disruption to their preparation. It's affecting, you know, it's not just, you know, courses turning past fail. It's missing out on shadowing opportunities. It's uh, MCAT tests being postponed or canceled, and the schools are really coming from a place of understanding and making sure that the policies and their procedures are updated in such a way that it does not adversely affect students that are being affected by this crisis, yeah. this pandemic. Yeah, and I, I think it'll be hard to actually know until we get the applications actually submitted and schools can start seeing some of these issues reflected in an application for them to really kind of understand and get their algorithms and, and rubrics kind of built around what this new world looks like for uh, hopefully just this one semester uh, yeah. moving forward, whether you're applying this cycle, next cycle, whenever. Um for and so, this, sorry, and that yeah. that's actually where our strengths come yeah. in is because rather than waiting for the applications to come forward, we're already getting feedback from applicants and from advisors. Yeah, uh, and so we're able to start thinking about those questions and how to address those. And so, when Team DSAS is coming up with a response, you know, at first it's it's seeming a little bit um, broad, uh, but we actually have a committee uh, made up of all of our participating institutions that's going to be meeting regularly to address those questions and those concerns so that students uh, are well aware of how this semester is going to affect our application. Mm -hmm. And they're aware of how the schools are going to process their applications as a result. So if I can translate that a little bit, it sounds like for students applying to TMDSAS, it's going to be a pretty unified front in terms of how each of the schools are going to to look at pass fail, how each of the schools are going to look at online classes, how each of the schools are going to just handle all of these anomalies, as, as you mentioned, in the yeah. application. Is that right? It's not going to be one school is, is going to go uh, annex themselves like Texas likes to do uh, and, and say, I'm just going to do my own thing and process applications the, the way it, I want. It's certainly our goal to present a unified front. Yeah, uh, I can't guarantee that each school is going to fully agree with everything that we're saying, but you know, for the most part, um, 
I feel very confident that the schools are acting in the interest of the entire pre-health community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would include, you know, having a unified set of expectations or regulations for applicants affected. Yeah. From your position and the questions that you've seen come in from students or advisors and responses from schools, where do you think potentially looking at your crystal ball, looking in the future, where do you think one of the biggest uh, or what the biggest kind of headache is going to be for schools to to work with with everything going on? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's all pretty equal. Um, I think the the three biggest headaches um, are going to be assessing a pass fail course. Um, and for the most part, the schools seem pretty unified in that they will work with applicants on a case by case basis. You know, a pass fail for a biochemistry course when you have a history of A's in all of your science courses, not a big issue. Yep. Uh, Pass fail course when you have a majority C's is a completely different picture. Yeah, uh, and so I think it, there it's a matter of giving it context. Mm. As far as MCAT scores go, um, right now that's kind of like the the elephant in the room. <laughs> uh, for the most part, schools will not invite anyone for an interview until those MCAT scores come out uh, and are released to the schools. Uh, here at TMDSES, we've been touting how important it is to apply early. Yep. Uh, and so that kind of throws a huge wrench into that that whole system. Uh, and so the schools are looking at perhaps extending their interview process a little bit farther. That is something that we're still working on and we mm. don't have a unified response to. Uh, and then the third one is on activities and how those are affected. And I th- actually, um, earlier or over the weekend, we had a response from one of the deans, the uh, Dr. Judy Ann Calloway from the Long School of Medicine. And she gave us this really amazing response on how students should think creatively if their activities have been canceled or have been postponed for shadowing or volunteer work. She was actually talking about um, seeking alternative options. For example, YouTube is a treasure trove of just so many great resources that people could go out and find and yeah. you know just sit down and commit a couple of hours a week to you know watching a video on different human systems. Uh, not the best possible scenario, <laughs> but it totally beats, you know, sitting down on hour hundred of animal crossing. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, another, another thing that she mentioned was, uh, and I actually have to write down this quote because it was amazing. Uh, she said the application to medical school is certainly a marathon and when a regular semester is not going to determine the outcome. Yeah. And I think that is like the Piazza Resi's dance for, yeah. uh, how, the schools are seeing this. This is essentially their their thesis is, um, you know, we'll, we'll work with you for this semester or possibly even next semester, however long this goes. But the, your application is the entire context of your academic exactly. preparation. Yeah. I almost see it as, and I'm, I'm holding up my hands for, for, for those that are listening to this. <laughs> I almost see it as like, we have everything before coronavirus, COVID-19. We have everything after COVID-19, whenever that happens. And everything during COVID-19 is just going to get like smushed and be like, we're just not going to see it, right? It's it's like the Excel spreadsheet. We can, we're just going to hide those columns and, and <laughs> the rest of your kind of experiences and grades yeah. and all of that are going to matter. And we're just going to go, yeah, we're going to one, two, skip a few over, over COVID-19 days. Yeah. And even then, you know, you still have plenty of opportunity to 
help other people uh, yeah. during this time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I got mad. Yeah. Uh, I got mad at a, a Redditor. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> I got mad at someone online. Um, <clears throat> but it was in the med school sub uh, subreddit. And he said he was basically going off on the medical students who are using this time to to uh, fluff up their resume by doing COVID-19 activities. And everyone's like, oh yeah, screw them, right? Gunners, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, actually, like I'm in a COVID-19 physician group that's been stood up now for three weeks and already has like 35,000 physicians in it. And, and they are posting, hey, the students at my school are doing X, Y, Z. It's so amazing. It's so helpful. Like, yeah. how about they're doing it just to be good human beings and not to fluff up their application? So there there are definitely some things that students can be doing, whether they're good at sewing and want to sew some face masks, uh, right. whatever, um, yeah. that, that may show in an application. And actually, I find this um, uh, in an interview that will come out in a couple of weeks, um, a, a student who talked about overcoming obstacles and seeing students who had much better stats than her, but really didn't have any obstacles to overcome. I think this is the perfect opportunity for students who have already overcome obstacles, know how to persevere, are determined to, to continue to do that. And it's going to potentially throw some wrenches into students' lives who have never had any obstacles. And it's going to hopefully show them that they can overcome. I mean, I don't want those students to fail, but the students who haven't had to overcome any obstacles and aren't resilient, aren't determined um, to to overcome this, they're going to struggle a little bit more. And, and that'll even out the playing field a little bit. Right. And it's really just how are you reacting to the situation in advising, it's something that we're always challenging students to think about. You know, we ask you to list, you know, all your activities and the things that are most meaningful to you. But it's like, what did you take away from this? Why mm-hmm. is this important to you? And why is it important to your journey as an aspiring healthcare professional? Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's kind of thinking outside the box right now. You know, yeah. if, if that comes down to, you know, volunteering for a food delivery service for your local food bank or actually signing up for a part-time overnight shift to restock the grocery stores nearby. You know, that, that speaks volumes to how how you're taking on what you have right now and still uh, seeking out an opportunity to help other people. Yeah. Yeah. Going around the neighborhood and, and signing up five, uh, five neighbors who are elderly, immune compromised, whatever, don't want to go outside. And, and just being there to help and, and doing it yeah. because it's helping and not because it's, oh, this will look good on my application. Right. right yeah, speaking of Reddit, I saw this really <laughs> awesome post where, uh, you know, they had like a, they went out around the, the neighborhood to their elderly neighbors and they have like a visual system that they incorporated. The green, yellow, like, red? Green. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, if it's green, I'm okay. If it's yellow, I need something. If yep. it's red, you know, get help. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was brilliant. You yeah, know, getting getting engaged with other people while still uh, maintaining a physical distance. Yeah, the 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 people who come up with that are the ones that watch lots of spy movies. Where you're like, <laughs> when 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 my when my handler wants to meet, he puts a little chalk mark on on right. the uh, on the mailbox. Yeah, um, the candle outside. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk. One one of the kind of reasons that I originally had you on the calendar was to talk about non traditional students and reapplicants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I think reapplicants are going to get hit hard potentially with this, especially students who are, who are in post-bac programs, who are in master's programs, who know that they need to fix their GPA. And now all of a sudden they're forced to go pass fail. How do you think TMDSAS, the Texas Medical Schools, how do you think that's going to account for a, a reapplicant? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this goes back to context. You know what it what it looked like beforehand, and what does it look like? What did it look like up until February? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's going to be a huge part in how the schools are going to take a look at applications. Um, you know, for the most part, if somebody needs to fix their GPA, it's not going to happen in a year. Um, and a lot of post back programs tend to be a year long, but they include other opportunities and other experiences. Um, so my my advice to those students is really you know, stay the course. Um, if you have a pass fail course, uh, and I'm only speaking for TMDSAS schools here, yep. uh, is, you know, stay the course with what you're doing and the schools will work with you. Uh, I will say that if you do have the option to do a pass fail or to stick with a letter grade, you should definitely stick to a letter grade. Um, and that that's what's preferred from the schools. And if you are of the mindset of how are they ever going to know that I had that choice, <laughs> uh, it's because there are so many other applicants from your school that have that choice and took the choice of the letter grade. Yeah, uh, I know that deadline's coming up for a lot of students um, making the decision whether or not to, to pursue that. Um, as far as the other aspects of, of a post program or even a DIY post program that a lot of students tend to do, um, you know, just really find find opportunities to engage with, engage with an advisor of sorts. Um, your postback program might have an advisor integrated there, and they have solutions for you. In the meantime, if you're doing a DIY uh, postback, I highly recommend that you reach out to the Naples serve, and I'll send out uh, a mess a message with the link to that uh, to request to be paired with a volunteer advisor, uh, and really stay engaged with online communities like the. Uh, the uh, the platform that you have on Facebook uh, and and the ones that we have uh, for Team DCS applicants to see how other people are kind of responding to the situation and uh, hearing hearing them out and to hear out different options that you might have that you might have not have thought of. Yeah, let me let me ask you about that optional pass fail versus grades. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Uh, again, from a broader perspective, and, and obviously schools can can go off and do their own thing, but from a broader perspective, the conversation, do you know if schools are going to accept pass-fail even if it was an option? Or are they like, if, if pass-fail was an option for you and you took pass-fail, then we're not going to accept that class. Is that the message you're hearing? Uh, the message I'm hearing right now is if, you know, they'll work with students and okay. that pass-fail would be accepted. Uh, however, when again, it's it's all about context. It's all context. If you, yeah. if you struggle yep. academically leading up to this, and all of yep. a sudden you have a pass fail course, yeah, uh, that's painted that's painting a, a really clear picture of how strong of an applicant you might yeah might be. Yeah, one of the things that I it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and, and I'm sorry, Harvard, but I'll, I'll call you out. Harvard <laughs> updated their policy. And it was, it was actually pretty nice. They're like, we don't want any student to be disadvantaged by this situation. Um, and, and the language around their pass-fail policy was, we understand that, that students are, are taking pass-fail courses because the school is requiring that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and basically, the language was around, we will accept pass-fail if that was the only option given to you. And 
I wrote them an email <laughs> and I said, hi, hi, Harvard Medical School. Um, I love that you, you're out here advocating that, that this shouldn't disadvantage anyone. But the honest truth is that it's disadvantaging a lot of students, especially those who came into this disadvantage. The students who, when, when the campus shut down and the dorm shut down, they didn't have a home to go to. When the the school cafeteria shut down, they didn't have a job to pay for anything anymore. And, and so the stress of then going, well, I have this option of pass-fail or classes. My grades have been really good, but the toll of all of this is, I know is affecting my mental health, my physical safety, whatever that is. I'm going to take pass fail because I just need to take care of myself. And now Harvard's out there going, sorry, that's going to disadvantage you because you had the option, right? right. That made me mad. And I sent them an email. I haven't heard back yet. But um, so that be, be the voice for me, Enrique, to the Texas medical schools. Um, it sounds like hopefully they understand that as well. Um, but that's just my biggest thing, right? Trying to be the voice for all these pre-med students out there that, that this obviously is affecting everyone differently. Yeah, and we're a hundred percent on the same page on that. Yeah. You know, we're we're seeing a lot of students who have to go back home, and at home, you know, they got ten younger siblings, and their parents are having to work remotely, and all of a sudden, they are a babysitter. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about disadvantage in, yeah. in that scenario, or going home and realizing that you need to buy a laptop now, all of a sudden, so that you can sign into your your Zoom classes because you don't have access to a computer lab. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. There are so many things that are that are at play right now that are affecting students. Yeah. Huge. Non-traditional students. Let's, let's chat about non-trads for a minute. It's, it seems to be a kind of a, a pet project of yours, this, this passion <laughs> of yours to, to show that non-trads are awesome to get a lot of data for non-trads. Why yeah. are you so interested in non-trads and, and getting them to be a little bit more exposed in the application process? Uh, Let's see. Uh, for a non-traditional student, you are already at a huge disadvantage in that you opted to take a different path than the one that you decided to oh, pursue at the oh, end. We're going we're gonna to uh, fight over those words. Okay, keep going. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, and so for the most part, you know, the students that I've worked with are, they tend to be second career students. Yep. And, you know, they're, they're business majors and they all of a sudden decide to pursue medicine uh, and for them, their disadvantage is that they don't have the the network to to uh, exchange ideas with. Mm. Uh, you know, as a pre med student in a traditional school, you know, you have a hundred other people in your biology class you're able to talk to. And <laughs> it, it depends on the like, culture of that pre med <laughs> world. Yeah, a lot of a lot of those students avoid those other pre meds because they're like, oh, right. they're, they're negative. But but you're, you're still able to kind of like hear through the grapevine about how difficult a test is or what's going to be on the MCAT yep. as a non-trad, you don't always have that opportunity. Yep. Uh, secondly, a lot of them don't have access to an advisor who's able to help them. And those that do have access to an advisor tend to have really terrible experiences with those advisors uh, for some reason or another. And so my mission is more longitudinal in making sure that the school's are able to identify who a non-traditional student is. Mm -hmm. And we've done a lot of great work in making sure that students are able to identify themselves on the TMDCS application as a non-traditional. Uh, we were worried that, you know, all of a sudden we get a lot of people who'd be like, I'm non-traditional because I drink 
you know, yellow Gatorade <laughs> instead of red uh, or, or some other bogus responses. Yeah. And some of the responses were just like, mm, that's not exactly what non-traditional is, but the schools really love that question mm-hmm. uh, because it gives them some insight, not just on whether or not they're non-traditional, but also on how self-aware a student is. Yeah. It's uh, almost like so an extra it, secondary question. You know, and it was, it was pretty great. Uh, <laughs> and we actually pulled some numbers and we saw that previously we'd been using age as a cutoff for non-traditional and mm-hmm. uh, we're no longer doing that since students self-identify and the numbers are actually pretty standard. Um, I believe it, it just uh, increased about a 0.1% um, for age over all the, uh, yeah, uh, over the, the whole pool. Okay. Age, everything, everything else stayed pretty much the same. Oh, 0.1% in terms of total students that you were flagging as non-treads yeah yeah okay uh so that's that's pretty interesting to see um and i think ultimately what it comes down to is that the schools are always talking about how amazing non-traditional students are and everybody really wants people who have life experiences to come into medicine because they're able to connect more and engage more with other people and to really engage with the human experience better uh but they talk the talk and never really walk the walk. <laughs> <laughs> and so now with, uh, this is essentially like a, again, a longitudinal thing for us, uh, you know, presenting data on how non-traditional students fare in the application and how, how, uh, how they're able to, uh, acquire matriculation. Um, but we also are able to take that information back to advisors. And in fact, we're about to launch a survey that, uh, is going to address some issues that non-traditional students have. So we can take that back to the advisors and have them assess how their advising might be improved by some of the feedback that we get from non-traditional students. Nice. I'm excited yeah. to, to see that. That's one of the things I love about TMDSAS is all of the data that you guys put out. So <laughs> you're very transparent, which is one of my big things uh, with this yeah. application process. Thank you. So Enrique, for the student listening to this right now, who's applying this cycle, next cycle, and and is affected by everything going on, which rightfully so everyone is, um, but again, everyone's affected differently. What kind of words of calm do you have for them, knowing the conversations that you're having with these medical schools, knowing the questions that are coming in from advisors and students? What What kind of words of wisdom would you have for the student right now? Yeah, and I think I'm going to have to reiterate Dr. Kellaway's words of this is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And one semester is not going to trip you up. Two semesters will not trip you up. It's how you're reacting to the scenario. As you mentioned, this is affecting everybody. It's affecting every aspect of every industry. How are you reacting to that? You know, are you sitting back and you know, trying to pay back your loans on Animal Crossing? <laughs> or are you really taking the time to engage with other resources? You know, right now we're really fortunate to have so many programs that are offering free services uh, for you to, you know, watch videos online, uh, educational resources. You know, you have Rosetta Stone that has three free months right now for students. You know, maybe this is a time that you learned how to speak a different language. Uh, and then that response on how you are coming, uh, attacking this, uh, this, this situation is really what's going to speak volumes, uh, in your application. So, uh, 
you know, take some time, you know, eat that pint of ice cream, but uh, figure, <laughs> out, figure out, figure out, figure out where it is that you want to go from here because your decisions are really what's going to make you stand out in your application. Most students know about the freshman 15, but uh, I'm working on my Corona 15 right now. Yeah. <laughs> Quarantine 15. <laughs> I like that one too. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, so Enrique, you have a podcast that's on the MedEd Media Network. Talk, talk to the student about where they can find your podcast. Sure. We're Inside Health Education uh, and the podcast is InsideHealthEducation.com. What we do is something very similar to what you do, Ryan, where we talk to pre-med students, but we talk to students through the perspective of the TMDSAS and where we come from. So we have a lot of our deans coming on on the podcast, talking about different issues that they're seeing in the application. Uh, And we're also, uh, since we changed the name from TMDSAS podcast, Inside Health Education, we kind of broke free from having to just talk about the application all the time. Uh, and so I'm really excited for some of the other topics that we're tackling. Uh, we just actually, I just recorded an episode with a professional writer who's talking about the hero's journey mm. and what that looks like in your application. So um, again, as I think I alluded to it a little bit, but essentially it's like the hero's journey starts with something that happens to them and then how they address that and how they overcome that. But in your essays, a lot of students tend to focus on just things that happen to them and then you're just stuck in act you're one. Stuck there. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's yeah. funny, I I talk about that in my personal statement book, The Hero's Journey. Nice. Because yeah. because every student will go, Well, I don't want to talk about that because it's super cliche. I'm like, no, it's common. It's not cliche. Let me talk to you about the hero's journey. Every movie that you watch, right? Most action movies, it's the same story, just with yeah. different characters and different dilemmas, right? Uh, from yeah. from Neo and Morpheus to Luke Skywalker and Yoda, that they, they all have a mentor yeah. that guides them on their way. It's all the hero's journey. Samuel L. Jackson and <laughs> Bruce Willis. And, there you go. And Die Hard. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's all the same. Yeah, um, and really, it's it's just an aspect of storytelling. Yep. You know, that's how we are hardwired to understand stories. Uh, and so, you know, we got a lot of different topics that we cover on the podcast. And as you, as you're seeing here, we like to overlap here and there and collaborate as we can. Yeah. Collaboration, well, not competition. Collaboration, not competition. I love it. Well, Enrique, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Hopefully ease some fears uh, out there that students are having with, with their application coming up. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. All right. I hope that was helpful for you. A great conversation with Enrique. Go check out his podcast, Inside Health Education. You can find that link insidehealtheducation.com or go to mededmedia.com to find that link as well. I hope you have a great week. Please stay safe. Please stay home and please take care of yourself. I hope you have a great week. See you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.